Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by Living Word Church. We trust that as you hear the Word of God preached, you'll be encouraged and equipped to love God and do His will. If you're looking for a church home, please feel free to visit our Sunday morning worship service at 10 a.m. or visit our website at www.livingwordchurch.cc. And now for our message. Amen. Praise the Lord. Wow, what a beautiful encouragement we've had from our young people today, right? Straight through from young people up here leading us in worship and baptisms and internships and all those things. Man, I just give thanks to the Lord for that. That's a testimony of just the, the work of the Spirit and the work of the Lord where the, the young person will lead us, right? It's a demonstration of the gospel that you don't have to be old to be wise or old to be passionate or... or given to something for eternity, that it happens through all the ages, and it's uh, exciting to see it here. Amen? I want to thank Adam, Allie, both of you guys. I commend you guys for that internship and what you've accomplished there, and in the church in general. I just want to say thank you this morning. Really good. You don't always see and appreciate what goes on behind the scenes, but um, this is something they've carried as a vision for this church because they believe in the equipping of it. They believe in the, the way it will cause us to, to rise. Um, even just equipping four young people is going to change the complexion of our church, the very fabric of it. And it was something, a vision that they've carried, and they didn't always have a ton of support for it. There were moments when they were the only one asking me and asking the Lord for it. And it took a real pioneering attitude, a real pioneering spirit, um, because it's hard when people say to you for the 10th time, oh, I'm not sure how that will work, or... What about these problems? What about those problems? Uh, but they're a young couple that has persevered in vision and faith um, for the success of the church. And so you're worthy of our gratitude and our honor. Thanks, you guys. All right, speaking of gratitude and honor, let's uh, turn to the Word of God this morning. I'm going to speak for a few minutes about <clears throat> fish and fire from John chapter 21. So, uh, it will be, I believe, my final message on my little mini-series here we've done in John, but I didn't want to leave before we had breakfast with Jesus. And so if you look, how many people had breakfast this morning? Better question, how many people didn't have breakfast this morning? Yeah, I know, right? I was preparing, like even this morning I was in prayer and I was in the Word studying about breakfast for Jesus, but I didn't eat anything. It was a mistake. <laughs> Terrible error. Judgment. Anyways, we'll believe we can get through to lunch. But before then, let's just see what God's Word has to say. John chapter 21, verse 1. It says this, afterwards, after what? Well, after the things we've been reading in John of the, the, the death and the resurrection and the appearing of Jesus to his disciples. After these things had happened and after he had appeared to his disciples and after he had spoken to Thomas... Because afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. And it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, known as Didymus, which means twin, Nathaniel from Cana, Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, well, we'll go with you. So they went out and they got into the boat. But that night, 
they caught nothing. Worked all night, no fish. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not recognize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Jesus says, Friends, have you caught any fish? No. I'm not sure if there are any expletives after that answer. No! No. Maybe it was very polite. No, thank you for asking. I doubt it. I think it was probably one of those real-life moments where you've been out all night fishing, where you still didn't know what the world was supposed to look like because Jesus had done all these miraculous things, and your leader was physically gone, at least at the moment. He didn't know what was going on, and then somebody asks you if you caught any fish. Let's just go with a disparaging no. It's a bit like every fishing trip I've ever taken. I'm sorry, it is. Maybe one of you can help rectify that one day. Teach me to catch a fish. No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the other side of the boat, and you'll find some. It's like four feet. It's going to make a big difference. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. When the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, the writer of this epistle, said to Peter, it's the Lord, he realized, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard this, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment on him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. And all the other disciples followed behind him in the boat, towing the full net of fish. For they were not far from shore, only about 100 yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning, coals. And there was fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. Say that, 153. It's a lot of fish. They weren't just a lot of them, they were a lot of big fish. It was amazing. But even with so many big fish, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dare ask him, who are you? But they knew it was the Lord. But Jesus came, he took bread and he gave it to them. And he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. It's a precious little story. I mean, I'm going to, there's some theological, there's some significant things here, but it's a very easy read of this little story. It's just, you find this affection and this communion, this togetherness with Jesus, which is in and of itself quite remarkable. Here you have these guys whose life had been turned upside down by Jesus. And even after he had risen and showed himself to them, they knew that Jesus had risen. They were amazed by it. They were worshiping the Lord. They, they, they felt like, wow, something significant had happened. And yet, it was like their wife was gone for two weeks. They didn't know what to do with themselves. And so they just kind of went back to what they were used to doing. Peter is like, Passover is over. 
the festival's over, all this happened, and now Peter's like, what did I do with myself? He's a fisherman. What do you think he's going to do? I'm going fishing. And the guys with him, they were like, all right, we'll go too. All right, let's go fish. When you don't know what to do, you just do what comes naturally. And there they were doing what fishermen do, fishing, and they weren't catching anything. They were good fishermen. They knew what they were doing. But still, there was no productivity to all their efforts. It happened once before where Jesus told them to cast the nets and miraculous catch of fish. And that's why when John, he's like, they threw the net on the other side and they caught all this fish. Suddenly it clicked. Wait a second. This is where it all began, right? This is where it all began in Luke chapter 5. Where Jesus says, hey, throw your nets on the other side. And so John's like, this is Jesus. And Peter, he didn't realize it. He was too tired and he was too busy pulling in all the fish. And suddenly when someone else said it, Peter's like, oh my goodness, this is Jesus. And he saw on the shore and he grabs his outer clothes that he took off and he jumped in the water and he's going. Now, it was only a short way, but it was 100 yards. I venture to think that some of you can't, couldn't make it. You'd be all excited about seeing Jesus, and you'd drown at like the 30-yard line. <laughs> but not Peter. He made it. And there is Jesus on the shore, and he's cooking food. And there's fish, and there's bread, and there's Jesus. And I just think part of the beauty of this story is that in the midst of their exhaustion, in the midst of their kind of not quite sure knowing what to do with themselves, and they're hungry, Jesus is already there preparing them breakfast. And he says, come and sit. It's an invitation that he gives to us, all of us, every day, even today. Won't you come and sit and have breakfast with me? I know you're tired. I know you're frustrated. I know you've been out trying to get fish and it's not working. But come, sit down with me. And they're all there and they're eating the fish. And they want to say, is it you? But they know it's him. But they know something's different as well. It's not like it's always been. There is resurrection power. There's hope. There's mystery. There's this profound thing. And there they are, filling their stomachs with fish and bread. Who eats fish for breakfast, really? Right? I mean, who eats fish for dinner? Anyways, different story. And there he is, sitting with them refreshing them, feeding them, encouraging them. Just pause. What are you doing? Are you fishing? Are you busy, tired, hungry? Jesus says, come, sit down, and eat breakfast with me. I think it's, a, it's, it's part of resurrection life, guys. One of the new realities of Jesus rising from the dead 
One of the new realities of him forgiving us of our sin and redeeming us into this divine community we call the church is that we can sit with him and be refreshed by him. Have you done that today yet? Or you just rush to church and rush into the songs? That little 20 seconds of silence I gave a minute ago is the first time you've stopped today, yesterday, the day before. Jesus has come and have breakfast. Jesus says, come be refreshed by me. Jesus says, come sit and eat. I was at a friend's house years ago before I, my children were older. They were, my kids were little. And I went and I was, I was at his house. I was actually stopping by his house for a minute, but it was dinner time. So he told me to sit and eat and they served me some food. And his teenage son walked in the door, who I knew. And I said, hi and hi. And he's just running, grabbing some stuff. Dad, I'm on my way out, and then he's, he's about to just come through and pass through. And his dad, almost without, like, stopping the flow of his fork, reached out and grabbed his arm. And the teenager, his name was David, too, was walking out, and he just, like, jerked him back. And his dad didn't let go of his arm. He just says, sit, sit. And he pulled him to the chair next to him. Sit with me. I always remembered that. I was like, how did he pull that off? He grabbed his teenage son and said, sit with me. Sit with us. Talk to my friend. It was fabulous. I mean, he spent like 10 minutes. And he sat. It was refreshing for all of us. Won't you sit for a minute with the Lord? In Colossians, it says that if you welcome him in, he will make his heart your home that your heart would be Christ's home. And yet you're running around the home of your heart so fast, so furious, you never really sit with him. You've invited him in, he's a guest in your house, and yet you barely stop to sit and have breakfast, have a meal, have a conversation, have a think, have a cry, have a laugh. Come and have breakfast. There's some profound things about this that I want us to see before we're done. First of all, they've been fishing all night. They catch nothing. And then Jesus says one word, and they catch 153 really big fish. So big that they can barely pull the net in, and presumably the net should have broken. It had to remind them of his words from John 15, only six chapters earlier where Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can labor, you can toil, you can work, you can strive, you can strain, you can swear, you can just keep pushing as far as your physical, mental, emotional capacities will take you. But Jesus says, I'm the vine. You are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Isn't that something? Look at that precious baby over there. Oh, welcome. Distracted. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus says one sentence, throw your nets on the other side, and they got more than they can handle. Listen, I think this is true of every one of our lives. 
Apart from him, you can do nothing. Striving on your finances, striving on your marriage, striving on your work and your education, striving, trying to get your house done, trying to get this done, trying to get that done. I get it. We all have it. But when you strive on your own effort, it goes nowhere. But if you put the Lord out front and say, Lord, you are the vine, I am the branch. I go where you go. I do what you do. Help me see what you see. Help me love who you love. And when we are with remaining in him, we will bear much fruit. The parable of the fish or the the, the reality of the fish is simply this. When Jesus says the word, it becomes fruitful. But when we're just doing what we're supposed to do or what we don't know what else to do, we strive and we strain and we're up all night fishing, there's no fruit to it. Ask yourself, Lord, is there fruit to what I'm doing? Am I doing it all in my own effort? I mean, some trust in horses, right? And some trust in chariots. But what will you trust in? I will trust in the name of the Lord. Unless the Lord builds the house, the labor is what? Labor in vain. It's very plain to you. You understand this already. I can tell. You're finishing the verses. There are some things that we worked so hard on, and there doesn't seem to be fruit. I'm blessed by those who persevere through hardship. Don't get me wrong. Some things are absolutely worth persevering in. But in your perseverance, remember that apart from him, you can't do anything. And if you're just gritting it out, if you're just saying, I'm going to get this done, or I'm going to make this happen, but the Lord's not in it, you'll be fishing all night with nothing to show for it. I want us to think for a minute. I've just got a couple of minutes left. Just some thoughts for you today about the fire and the fish, right? So I want you to put yourself in Peter's shoes. Um, I'll remind you here a second from, uh, I think it's worth, from Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. It talks as Jesus was standing. This was early days when Peter was not yet a follower of Jesus. One day, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, just the other side, they call it a different name. The people were crowding around him, listening to the word of God, and he saw that on the water's edge there were two boats, there were two fishermen there. They're washing their nets, and he got into one of the boats and belonged to Simon Peter. And he said, hey, push out a little bit. And he sat down and he taught people from the boat, from Simon's boat, Peter's boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out to the deep and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon said, Master, Please, we've been working hard all night. You recognize this? Not caught anything, but because you said so, I'll do it. And when he had done so, the catch was so large that the number of fish in their nets began to break. So they signaled for their partners and their other boats to come and help them, and they filled both boats so full, the boats began to sink. The nets can't handle it. The boats can't handle it. And Simon Peter saw this. He fell at Jesus' feet. He says, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they'd taken. So were James and John, sons of Zebedee, and Simon's partners. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for what? Yeah, people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, and they left everything to follow Jesus. They left everything 
to follow Jesus. Let me show you another. That's the fish. John 18, if you flip real quick, verse 17. Jesus has been taken and arrested, and a servant girl on duty in the courtyard asks Peter, aren't you one of this man's disciples? You are, aren't you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold, and the servant and the official stood around a fire that they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with the fire himself. Jump to verse 25. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself, and so they asked him, aren't you one of his disciples? You are, aren't you? He denied it, saying, I am not. And then the rooster crowed. And so you have this scene with Jesus, and you have this scene where there's fish and there's fire. The fish profoundly speaks of the mission of God, to which God had called Peter to. He said, Peter, you're a fisherman. I could see this, but now I'm calling you to come with me and be a fisher of men. And fishing from that point out in the gospel becomes this picture of God's mission to proclaim the good news of salvation, redemption, and the kingdom of God to all the nations. Some people have made much of the 153 fish and was one of the early church fathers said there's 153 species of fish in the ocean and therefore John is telling us that this gospel is for everyone. Well, marine biologists have taught there's a lot more than 153 fish in the ocean, types of fish, and so maybe that doesn't hold water. But the point is still clear that Jesus is speaking of his mission to the nations and the neighborhoods. And so Peter, when he sees the fish and he's been fishing and there's this miraculous caught up thing, he had to be thinking, I remember the day, I remember the moment when Jesus told me I would be a fisher of men, not just a fisher of fish. It had to stir something fresh in Peter's heart because Peter, when that first happened, he left everything. He left his partners. He left his boats. He left the fish. He left his nets, and he followed the Lord. There was nothing holding him back. Have you ever been in that place? In your heart, you're like, man, I'm leaving everything. There's nothing holding me back. I hope you've been to that place. I, I hope you're there. Now, if you're not there, this is the moment. Because for Peter, at that moment when Jesus is cooking the fish and over the fire, it's not just that moment where Peter remembered I'd do anything, I'd leave it all for Jesus and follow him. There's also the fire. The smell of the fire, the warmth of the fire. Where around that fire, Peter three times denied Christ. Three times. And here is a man so conflicted in his heart it's like, man, I want to be a fisher of men. I want to live for you, Lord, yet I've denied you and I've failed you, and yet I remember the miraculous fish, and here we are again. How is a guy supposed to feel? What is a guy supposed to do? The fish and the fire. Where do you live, by the way? Do you live with the fish? Do you live with a sense of the miraculous awe of God? Like, I can't believe he caught all these fish. I can't believe I fell on my feet. I said, get away from me, Jesus. I'm not pure. I'm not, you're too good for me. And yet Jesus welcomes me in and he says, no, you come with me. We're going to catch some men. Come on, Peter. Do you live with the fishes? Is that you? Is that your place? 
I hope it is. It should be. You belong there. You're Peter. You could be Peter, Patricia, whatever. You be, you're in that story. He's speaking to us, to all of us. You feel like you're not good enough, and yet you, there's a sense of wonder and like, oh, Lord. He says, come with me and we'll be fishers of men. Let me proclaim my love and my life and my word through you. Don't worry, I'll show you how. Don't worry, I'll be with you no matter what. Or do you live in the fire? Standing by the fire, remembering the failures, remembering the disappointments, remembering that moment when the rooster crowed. I, I think a lot of people live there. That's why they're just out fishing in their own strength, kind of trying to work and put food on the table and take care of the bills and put up with your wife and take care of, I hope the kids are out. I mean, you're, just, you're in this position where you're just like standing by the fire. And the reality of your failures and the reality of life's disappointments, you can feel the heat on your face. You can smell it. Actually, the smell of the smoke is on your clothes. Even when you walk away from the fire for a minute, you still smell like smoke. So Peter, Jesus brings Peter back to the fire, and he brings him back to the fish. And he's like, what'll it be, Peter? Have a sit with me. Let's have breakfast. Let's talk about your life. Let's have some fish. Let me refresh you. Let me encourage you. You're afraid to ask who I am. You know who I am. But you're still a little bit afraid of what I'm going to say to you. <laughs> Anyone ever been afraid of what the Lord's going to say to you? Yeah. I think we see in this passage something quite precious. Jesus came and he took the bread and he gave it to them. In John, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. At communion, we break the bread. This is my body broken for you. And he gives it, and he gives it, and he gives it. Here at the end of the story of John, John's gospel is the beginning of our story, but the end of John's gospel story, he's giving bread, he's giving life. He's giving it to you. He's not withholding it. Could you imagine if there they were and then Jesus kind of said, no, this is my fish, this is my bread. You can watch me eat it. Mmm, there's good fishes. He doesn't. He gives it. Oh, the overwhelming, reckless love of God. Some of those lines, they're just, they're very powerful. When I felt I had no worth, you gave it all. There's no wall you won't kick down. Sometimes it needs force. God needs to break through. There's no lie you won't tear down. Sometimes it needs a gentle touch. That lie will have no power over you as long as you stop believing it. You lie torn down. Sit and have breakfast with the fire present, with the fish present. And where will you go? This is really a great commissioning. I'm not going to go through it. Annie did a really good job preaching it about a month ago about how Jesus asked Peter, do you love me, Peter? 
He was like, I love you, but I'm a bit conflicted right now. I don't measure up. Feed him. Feed my sheep, Peter. We've moved from fish to sheep. Great. We don't use any of them in our world, but we know what they mean. Sheep is God's people. Sheep are the people of his pasture. Sheep are even the people of the world. Feed them. Do you love me? Yeah, Jesus, I do. Third time, do you love me, Peter? Stop it! Stop asking me that. You know everything. You know I've screwed up. You know I love you. You know I don't know what to do with myself. Jesus says, don't worry. Feed my sheep. Reinstate it. He knows now, in spite of it all, the Lord says, you're mine. I love you. Come and be a fisher of men. Come be a shepherd of sheep. Come have breakfast with me. I'm just going to pray here a minute in closing. And um, I want you to ask yourself, am I like, where am I at in that picture? Am I... Am I hanging out with fish, ready for the supernatural work of God in my life to be a fisher of men? Am I hanging out by the fire, pretty much relegated to work in the job and general non-participation with the great things of God? Peter went on. Peter went on, did incredible things, blundering as he went, but a man of faith. A man of, who, who, in spite of himself and in spite of every challenge in the world, he just kept believing God, that God would use him to be a fisher of men. The, the story ends with Jesus, right? Remember we did this last week. Hold out your arms, Peter. This is how you'll die. It ain't over for you. You'll have moments of courage again. I'm going to pray, and when I pray, I want to, I'm going to ask the Lord to set you free from the fire of condemnation, the fire of mediocrity, the fire of remembering all your faults and feeling disqualified. And I'm going to pray and ask God to recommission you to be a fisher of men, to be someone who's given to the purposes of God. We saw our young people up here do it today. We saw Trinity stand before us and say, I belong to Jesus. My sin does not define me. Jesus defines me. We saw the young people, the interns, saying, I give a year of my life to become equipped, and I'm equipped, and I'm ready to serve, I'm ready to go for it. Good for them. And if you in your heart today turn to the Lord, good for you. Stand with me. Father God, we thank you for your word, which is rich to us. We thank you for your invitation to come and have breakfast. You must think it's funny sometimes when you ask if we've caught any fish, knowing that we've not caught any fish. Asking us questions you already know the answers to because you want us to realize the answers. Is it working for you? No, it's not working for me, Lord. You're working hard. Is it bearing fruit? No, Lord, you know it's not bearing fruit. Lord, I pray, God, that today, those standing by the fire of condemnation, those treading water, not going anywhere, those stuck 
in the indecision of just mental frustration. Those who work so hard, yet they're not bearing fruit. God, those of us who we think we're just trying and persevering so hard, and yet it doesn't seem you're in it. Lord, I pray, set us free from the fire. God, set us free from the condemnation that holds us down. God, set us free from our own failures. God, from our own words that echo in our minds. Set us free, O oh God, from things that remind us that we don't seem worthy. We haven't done the job as we're supposed to do. There's no excuses. God, I pray that there would be, in fact, no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray a fresh commissioning upon us as a church that, God, we would remain in you and you would remain in us. And, Lord, with you we would bear much fruit. God, I pray that for us as a congregation. Lord, that this church would bear much fruit. Lord, there would be mercy given to the world. There would be testimony in, in this town. There would be those added who come to Christ, are baptized, and are pursuing and following after you. God, let us be a fruitful people. God, I pray for those who just are ready for a fresh commissioning. Let them be commissioned again to be fishers of men, fishers of women, servants to the world with the powerful, life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. God, I ask you, Lord, that you would come and bring revival and, and mission. Lord, that we wouldn't be just complacent, but Lord, our hearts would be stirred every day with the fish all around us. Lord, thank you for this precious place. You are welcome here. Lord, we respond to your invitation for breakfast. Grab our arms, pull us to the table, Lord. Sit with us, feed us, give us bread, give us even fish for breakfast. Do a new work here, we pray. In Jesus' name, together we said, amen and amen. Uh, we're finished for the day. Congratulate the Colbert family. Tell Trinity you're proud of her. Talk to an intern. Talk to these guys if you want to be an intern. And uh, have a great week. God bless.